0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F.
1: Lock the gate!
0: All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck sticks? That one seems hostile. Fuck stick. That's never said in a positive way. What's up, fuck stick? So I don't use it as much, but it is... It's got a good rhythm to it. Uh, how's it going? Is everybody okay? I'm I'm a little, I'm a little jacked. I'm a little jacked right now for, well, for good reason. For good reason, I'm jacked because, uh, right, you know, I'm gonna tease it a little bit. First, let me um, let me say that. Oops, I just burped. You can cut that out. You know what? Don't leave it in. Let's keep it. Let's keep it loose. It wasn't a loud burp. Let's keep it loose. Duff McKagan is on the show from Guns N' Roses. The bass player. And uh he's he's the real fucking deal. Rock star, rock and roll life, all of it. But uh very lucid. Lucid, smart, uh, thoughtful, great guy. I, I I had no idea. You know why? Because we project. So he's here and it was uh it was a real treat. And that's something I don't say, but why am I jacked? Why am I jacked? Well, I'll tell you why, because less than an hour ago in this very room in my house in my house people david letterman was here david letterman the man who i i looked up to for for m- more than half my life and then once i became a comic all i wanted to do was be on his show and it happened but it took a long time but he was he was here he came to my house and you don't know what a mind fuck that is i don't want to go into it all because by the time he got here I was okay but it did take me two days to get okay like you know a lot of self-talk he's just a guy he's just a guy he's just a guy that you looked up to that you know you hung all your hope on being on his show just a guy but he was here and I'm gonna I'm gonna share that conversation with you a week from today okay I guess I should tell you then if we're teasing weeks out which I don't usually do. Monday, uh, Timothy Oliphant is here for the, uh, what is it, Memorial Day? He was here. We talked about stuff. I watched a lot of the Justified shows and uh, I enjoyed them. It was like watching uh, McLeod with my parents when I was a child. Dennis Weaver. Do you remember that show? It had that vibe, right? 70s kind of, you know, episodic television thing. And Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins was on. That guy's a fucking wizard got to get Goggins in here. How would you, wouldn't you like to have a friend named Walter Goggins? What's up, Goggins? Goggins. Goggins. What's up? Dude, Goggins is here. So maybe I'll become friends with Walton Goggins someday and he'll do my show and I can refer to him as
1: Goggins.
0: Dude. Goggins. Tonight I am in Madison, Wisconsin through Saturday. Those shows are all sold out. But uh, hopefully I'll be there. I'm traveling as you listen to this. I should be on a plane in the air. Uh, if it's not in the air, it'll be on the ground. And that would be preferable you know, if it hasn't taken off or it's just landed. Any other time a plane's on the ground is not great. You know what I'm saying? So what is happening? Okay, a couple of things. Uh, I decided to to get back into Twitter a bit kind of dip my toe into the hate waters into the fucking chaos of, of infantile emotional uh, outbursts by our president primarily, but by most people really, I just thought, you know, I was being honest. I was at home on Sunday. I was waiting to watch, I think Barry or, or John Oliver. And I, 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 you know, I, I turned the TV on and game of Thrones was on. So I said, uh, I have not watched Game of Thrones. This is the first episode I'm tuning into. Uh, I am I feel a little lost. Could somebody, you know, tell me what's happening? Something to, the, to that extent. Now, is that funny? Yes. Is it snarky? Kinda. Is it condescending? I don't know. You know, it's just, it was, I was being honest, but you would think I would have said there was no God to people Who all they think about is God. And I do think that there is a similarity in certain fans' minds about the importance of these fantasy movies. Again, not being condescending, feel free to be a fantasy nerd. Feel free to invest, you know, eight years of your life into a fucking, you know, bloodbath of armor and bullshit and castles and dragons. Again, did that come off as condescending? I know a lot of people liked it, but I'd imagine after about a year in, most of those people felt like they had to. They were, they were, they. it was almost like, sort of like, just, just try our church. You know, I mean, you know, it's different than your church, um, but I think you'll like our church. You know, there's a lot of exciting things that happen at our church and uh, it's every Sunday and, um, you know, at, at, you know, at night, which is nice. And, uh, and you can get lost and find solace from the real chaos with some ancient, fantastic dragon bullshit chaos. You know, just sort of refocus your emotions and sense of competition and relief and hope into Dragon Show. But it was surprising, the, the response. It was if I insulted someone's entire way of life, is the way that fantasy nerds react. You know, a lot of like, oh, so edgy. I wasn't trying to be edgy or even be cool. Like, why do you assume, aren't you the cool guys now if you're watching Game of Thrones? Isn't that the majority opinion? Watch Game of Thrones. So why am I all this? Why are you bullying me? The guy who is apparently out of the loop. The guy who doesn't know well enough to watch it. I maybe I'll watch it someday. I don't know, but uh, there was just it, it. didn't happen, and it's one of those things that like if you miss the first year or two, you're not going to go back until you know you you have a you know, broken leg, until you're bedridden, or you know you you have uh, the measles because dumb people don't vaccinate their children, and then you're like, hey, I'm I'm covered with spots that are itchy, and I'm probably going to be bedridden for a while. I can't go outside. Maybe I'll watch that Game of Thrones sing. That should take my mind off this disease that no one should have. But because of stupid people, we have it again. But I don't want to think about that because that'll make me angry. Oh, look, a dragon, a dragon. All I'm saying is like one of the reasons that I don't engage in Twitter anymore is because I'm a grown ass man for the most part. I do have emotional components that are quite infantile, but they are not infantile or expressed in the fantasy realm. So the the point is any conversation you can have on Twitter that, that unfolds into some sort of argument over bullshit is completely fucking adolescent. It seems like the entire dialogue on the platform, if you, if if it's engaged or you've upset some people is going to be adolescent. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't need to communicate on on that level. After I I tweeted, I never watched Game of Thrones, just tuning into the episode on now, I'm a little lost what's happening because of the response I was getting from, you know, seemingly adolescent people who took offense to that. I wrote, love when all the hate nerd babies bile cry when their sad heart holes get poked. Poetically sound, uh, but apparently, that I think that's the one that really caused some trouble in the nerd verse. And I'm not going to apologize because it's like, it's nice. It's almost like a Bob Dylan lyric from a lost Bob Dylan song. I'm not tooting my own horn, but loving all the hate nerd babies' bio cry when their sad heart holes get poked. Holy fuck. I'm going to write a song. God damn it. So a couple emails. Uh, this one, In the Garage. This is a nice email. Mark, I wanted to write to tell you how great a record In the Garage is. I have been spinning it on the reg, and I love it. I love the color of it. The price point was ace as well. at Newberry Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire. I'll fess up and acknowledge that I bought it just for Margot Price and Jay Mascus, but I'm absolutely in love with the Karen Kilgareth song. It makes me laugh my ass off and feel slightly sad at the same time. I'd never heard of her. What a great voice. And man, what lyrics. The song that has the heaviest effect on me is Elephant by Jason Isbell. That fucker slays me. Every time I fire up a joint, I recall the line, quote, we burn these joints as effigies, unquote. It sticks with you. It really is a mind blower of a performance. It really triggers a profound sadness. I've never liked Melissa Etheridge, but what a great song and performance. It changed my opinion of her. It's really cool to get to hear you play with Dave Alvin. I love the casualness of it. I love the record and just wanted to share that with you. You need to advertise this a little more on your show uh, because it really is a treasure. You should make this the first volume in the series and release one each record store day. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, Reeb. Thank you, man. I'm glad that you liked it that much. I like it that much as well. Okay. Don't hold your breath. How am I not going to open that? But it was literal. Hiya, Mark. Just listen to you and Lisa Kudrow. So regarding holding your breath, a clown teacher I've worked with, John Turner, said, quote, emotions released on the exhale, unquote. We can't cry or laugh when we're holding our breath. Have you not have you not heard me laugh when I hold my breath? That's how I exhale sometimes. Um, Breathing is vulnerable. Maybe holding our breath is trying to exert some control. Yeah. Especially when we're anxious. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. When we hold our breath on stage, then the audience holds their breath too. <sighs> Noted. They probably won't be aware of it, but even if they are, they won't know why. It's because of me. So if we breathe, they breathe. Everyone relaxes. Okay. Okay. Then come laughs. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Hey, didn't you talk about that in this episode, too? It all comes back to breathing. Farts, Alan. I think you're right, Alan. I'm a breath holder, and it's because I don't, uh, yeah, I don't want to feel. And if I'm holding my breath, not only am I not feeling, but I think I'm invisible. All right, so duff is here i i neglect to mention at the beginning that he's got a record out and i listen to it it's good it's earnest it's good it's called tenderness it comes out next friday may 31st you can get it wherever you get music this is me talking to fucking rock and roll this is a rock and roll dude for fucking real duff mckagan and me you don't want to wear the cans no is that all right yeah i think so just yes yeah, if you get up on that mic i
2: hate the sound of my voice you do yeah come on i do well how the fuck do you record a record uh I, I, what singing and all of that i i don't really have cans on really yeah
0: huh
2: i'll sing i'll get a key and i'll sing
0: Oh, and that's it, yeah. and then you listen to playback
2: or no? Yeah, yeah. You just tell shooter like, all right, just you decide. I'm out of here. <laughs> <No. Yeah>. Well, <laughs> I mean, sort of. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. We'll go. He, he's really quick at um, uh, comping vocals.
0: Uh huh.
2: He's like comping as I'm doing vocals.
0: What does that mean, comping?
2: Well, so I'll do, I'll sing a pass through the song. Hmm. Um. I'll do another pass. Right. And maybe a third pass. Right. And he's already so he'll take up a line from the first verse. He likes the first pass I did, and then he'll take a second line it. from I the, get it. So yeah, he's, he's
0: cutting c- it up. He's making notes. And as we're going. That's smart.
2: Yeah, so by the time I walk in the room, he, he's got it comped.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, the the, uh, the record, the new record, I, I, I don't generally, you know, these aren't really plug-generated interviews, but, you know, this is what you're out there talking about, and I listen to it, and uh, it it feels like, uh, you know, you it feels like a record you had to make like you know that things were kind of working up inside of you you're at an age now where you can process shit and write shit down and yeah. have some wisdom and some reflection there are things bothering you there are things that were painful in your life and this is the record a grown-up the, record
2: the record you know i, I really did mark i i've <laughs> written two books right. I, I i was a columnist for the seattle with yep. for five years i i Wrote columns for Playboy and ESPN, and and I got used to articulating my thoughts right. on the written word. Yeah, uh, I found a voice. Yeah, and um, so on this two and a half year tour that that Guns did, you know, it was amazing. We the last back, one, this last tour we did, this huge tour we just did, um, it was amazing that we were back together. Yeah, and there was this sense of ease in my life. Yeah, because. We had talked things out.
0: You and had the all of you.
2: Yeah, and that's that's that was really important more than anything else. I who think. was
0: on the gu- was Gilby on it? Who was on the guitar? It was Slash. Yeah, uh, and- no,
2: Slash and and Axel. So okay. the, the three of us are the ones who ended the thing. Um, Izzy had left right. back in ninety one. Yeah, uh, Stephen uh, before didn't yeah before yeah. that. And so the last, you know, year and a half, two years of the Illusions tour in the yeah. 90s, it was just the three of us. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so we ended it like that, and we got back together like that. And my point to that is there was there was a lot of kind of dirty water under the bridge between uh-huh. those that the, the end and the new yeah. beginning, and we addressed those things as like growing up motherfuckers, yeah. you know? and um, And it worked. And it worked. And so... Also, the point of that is, you know, I was at this sort of intellectual or uh, psychic ease, yeah. and coinciding with this yeah. ease, and and our bands back together, yeah. we're playing really amazingly huge shows everywhere you, you know, like go. Playing
0: country, it's like the, the
2: entire country comes. Like I in go... Estonia, it was kind of that. It was <laughs> you know there was kind of shows that was was actually that, um, but. Um, I am um I'm an astute guy. I've, yeah. I've traveled since I was in punk rock bands. You yeah. know. Uh, yeah. Fifteen years old. Right. I left high school because I was touring.
0: Yeah. You wanted to be a, you were in the rock life.
2: Yeah. And I went to like alternative school where you didn't have to show up. And, sure. And Kim from the Fastback, she was 18, and she was my high school counselor because she was 18. Yes. Right. And she would sign off on work i did while we were
0: so they didn't even know you dropped out for a year no i went to this alternative (laughs) school
2: which is called nova it was like the hippies that started it yeah um doesn't matter uh my my point is i've I've traveled a lot especially um maybe since i got sober and um kind of went through this this whole martial arts uh Thing that I did and still do, and became self aware and self responsible. Uh Um, And then started writing columns where I became a kind of observationalist. Yeah. You know, over time, I I wasn't like checking people out. I wasn't like coming to your house and checking you out and writing a column on it. It was looking
0: outside at the world and having some thoughts on it. Yes. Yeah.
2: And inarguably, the two and a half years that we were on this tour Hmm. were some of the most interesting uh political times not just in america but around the world sure
0: that the, the in, in closing, uh uh authoritarianism
2: that uh, that you and i have seen in our lifetime and, well yeah
0: we didn't think we would but it's, it seems to be uh you know happening
2: yeah these are the things that we were raised in in school to, to recognize as 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 bad
0: and shouldn't happen again.
2: Right. Yeah. We've seen the the problem is I read so much history. Yeah. And I'm I'm an armchair historian. Right. I have been since I was thirty. I read. So in other words, you're freaked out. (laughs) Mm. A little. I. I. But no, I'm not. But you know the precedent. I know the precedent for sure, and there's there's many of them. Yeah. Even just in America, (laughs) this has happened before. Right. And and. uh, But this
0: is where you you were compelled to write the song.
2: So I wasn't compelled to write songs right uh, originally. I was ri- I was gonna maybe write my third book yeah. and it was gonna be observations on uh, uh, you know, of my, the world. my travels right. Uh, um, yeah And getting out and talking to people. we play every third day mm-hmm. because it's a huge stage and we're playing the stadiums and one stage goes to the next city and it takes two days to build this thing. So we play every third day. And how are you guys playing? Good. Oh, oh, yeah. Thanks. We, are, we are, we are, we are kicking fucking asses. Oh, yeah, good. we're playing really good, better than we've ever played. Thank you. Um, That's great. But yeah, yeah. No, that is all good. Yeah. I got to tell you, that is all good. Like, we are all way better musicians, and and we've all
0: most uh, of you're sober. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I talked to Slash. It was great. We had a, a great conversation. Oh,
2: Slash him. is this? Yeah. I mean, he's sober, and he's um uh. All he does is. It's funny, you know, as you go along in your in your life as a yeah. musician. Um, I think we're lucky at maybe it's the time we came up. I don't know, but we we're so invested in our in our instruments and becoming better, and um, and I don't think that'll ever stop. I sure, think, uh, what I learned maybe from punk rock, you know, yeah. early days of punk rock, yeah. was just be real and truthful and, and if you're going to do something do it 110 percent you <laughs> yeah, know
0: even if it kills you yeah yeah i mean <laughs> I almost did um but uh i never knew he was such a like i always uh, heard that he was such a monster on guitar but like even when i listened to the earlier gun stuff the way they were mixed like you know they they didn't put the leads way up front you know i kind of had to You know, pick him out a little bit. I could hear the riffs, but I never got a true sense of what he could really do until you know I I was gonna interview him. So I went to see his last band, the newest band. What's it called? Who's that guy he works with?
2: Miles Kennedy.
0: Yeah. I saw them at like the Troubadour, I think. So this like a little tiny place. And it was the first time I'd seen Slash. I never saw Guns Live. Okay. And that guy I was just sort of like, What the fuck is happening? Yeah. He'll do that to you.
2: (laughs) I mean he he does that to me now. And yeah, really? Yeah, he really does. Yeah. Um he I mean I met him I moved down here in 84. He had an ad in, in the recycler, right? right? This guy named Slash. I right? thought he was, thought was he like Punk this Rock. Punk Rock dude. Yeah. And it said Aerosmith, Alice Cooper and Fear. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, okay well, Fear I get it. You know yeah. the punkers at the in 84 were looking we were going to invent the new thing. Yeah. What was it going to be? Yeah. Um But I went and met him at Cantor's, him and Steven Adler. And we went to his mom's basement. And he started playing acoustic guitar. And he played at 19, like he does now. No. And I'd played with some really cool guitar players up to that point. I'd been in a bunch of bands. Yeah. Never seen anything like this. He just
0: locks in, man. He loses himself. Just
2: he that he loses himself to a point sometimes on stage where I have to tap him because his <laughs> eyes are closed, <laughs> and I've had to do this for years. Like come over and tap him on the oh, like with my foot. Time to get on with the song, man. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but your point, like, being that you know you you were going
0: to all these different places in the world, and it, you and had three days, you know, so to I get out days, in the world.
2: I have two days. Yeah. Off, and I, I'm a guy who who's always liked to get out yeah. and see stuff, and sure. I'll go to museums. That's and I'll, good. I'll go to depends on where we're at sure. on the planet. I'll go to uh, do a tour of Normandy with a guide. You yeah, know, yeah, or, oh, yeah. Good or for I'll you. Or go to Auschwitz. But I I get out, and I and when you get out, the thing is about that you you talk to people. Sure. And I go to cafes. Yeah. And, I, and in America, I go out and I'll do side trips in my bus. I'll go to Little Bighorn. I'll go to Thomas Jefferson's Monticello. I'll oh, go yeah. to World War One Museum in Kansas City. You know, you we're not even, even, we're not do even playing Kansas City, it's, right. but it's on the way from Denver to Little Rock. Right, you know? man. Yeah, let's stop there. That's great. Um, and you and, talk to people. And you talk to people. Yeah. And what I, what I saw was in this two and a half years, I would watch news in America, right? And I would, and I would get on Twitter and I get. I was getting, you know, I'd get freaked out. Yeah, getting freaked out every day. But you then know,
0: before before you get out of bed, you can
2: get freaked. You out. You can get freaked out. And then I but <laughs> yeah. I go out and I would talk to. Then I would go places and I'm like, I'm not seeing this divide that they're talking about because I'm I'm in the South and I'm in the. Places and I'm in yeah you're seeing quote people. unquote right red places yeah. or blue places yeah man. I'm like this place isn't red yeah yeah <laughs> number one it's not red it's just a place it's, where the yeah, humans where live and, yeah. and coincide and work together yeah. and
0: yeah. and do stuff they and, don't become monsters till they get online
2: pretty much yeah. but then when we go to like South America let's say the next leg would be we'd go from uh, to, you know return to the states go yeah. from Texas down to South America Brazil. Yeah, Brazil, Argentina, we go everywhere. Yeah. Um, Central America, Mexico. But you don't have the three news stations because there's nothing. You don't watch TV. And yeah. I found myself really getting... I'd post something on Twitter like soundcheck, a picture, yeah. you know, and that, sure. and I wouldn't look. Yeah, um, And I never look at comments as it is, but Can't. I would just stop looking at Twitter. And I noticed like in a one week, my, the quality of my life became... So much better. And I started writing about that. Sure. I'm like, I wonder what that's what that is, you know. How much input? I was doing like a self study of like well, you input know, like, on media to my brain. And- well,
0: yeah, man, because like you know, you 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 are shattering your brain. I mean, you, you're you're dumping more information in there than you need, and you're having you know uh, an over uh, like too many human reactions to them. You're gonna have emotional reactions, so like a speedball. You know, every bit. You know, you, you're just you're just kind of frying your fucking mind. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I guess you find you're actually you know, thinking and acting and, and, and feeling compulsive in, in at the same speed that you can get information, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, so you're not, you know, like just hanging out at a cafe, you know, if you know, you probably have some withdrawals, sort of like, you, you know, there's probably a couple of days when you're not on Twitter going like, oh God, I got to check or, you know.
2: Man, I didn't, I didn't have a withdrawal and I kind of started thinking I'm a little long on the tooth to be checking Twitter, you <laughs> know, I, I, th- I'm, yeah. I read too many books for yeah. this. I'm yeah. not I'm not a <clears throat> an you know, an intellectual or whatever, but it's funny how quick you will I, I had um coffee with my buddy in Seattle. He yeah. during one of the breaks of the tour. Yeah. And he's been through if you knew this guy, he's my age. Yeah. He's been through nothing's been handed to him. Yeah. He was a he was a junkie and a yeah. and a fuck up and all of this and, and he got sober yeah. and he started this uh working building houses yeah. pounding nails sure. and he built himself up to point now where he owns the company. Yeah. But n- nothing was handed to him. But sure. we're having coffee. If you knew mm-hmm. this guy's past and we're in Seattle. Yeah. Right. Right. And we're having coffee. And we're talking about some political stuff and, and labels. Yeah. You know, when, when I mean that lefties, yeah, and right. elites. Yeah, and yeah. and and he goes, Duff, you know, you and I we're the elites they're talking about. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't know my story. Nobody yeah. handed me anything. Yeah. He goes, no, 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 it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, Hollywood.
2: You, you, may, you, yeah, you yeah. make over 100 grand a year, 200 grand a year.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, you live on the West Coast. Yeah, you live right. in LA and Seattle. Yeah. You're one of the elites. I am. He yeah. goes, I'm one of the elites. I own a company. Right. I live in Seattle. And yeah. we're, it's just how quickly label people or label people are redneck, or a left lefty, right, yeah, or extreme yeah. right, or and like some
0: woman wrote a book about that. About is that right? the, the just recently, I saw her interviewed on Bill Maher show. The boxing in through labeling, you know what, you know how it degrades, you know the nature of the person and and the, and a culture, or you know once you start naming people, it immediately puts them in a box and denies other, you know, identification. Yeah. You know, in the dialogue.
2: Sure, and in truth, we're just. Yeah, so I'm traveling during this. Yeah. All this stuff's going on. I'm getting this information. My friend in Seattle, the elites, and I'm like, I mm. realize, like, okay, man, we're just throwing labels around. I don't remember lefty being there like three years ago.
0: Right? <laughs> it, was, it was around.
2: It, it was around, you know, but it, it, it,
0: it replaced commie. Uh, I remember in, in the, the, in in the, the like, late '60s. <laughs> yeah,
2: I my, my oldest, I the youngest of eight kids. I have seven yeah. older.
0: You Grew up with eight kids, so. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it was hippies, you know, like my older brothers and sisters were hippies. Two of my brothers were in the Vietnam War, really, yeah. And and so, I grew up. My mom took me on a march, uh, brought me out of kindergarten, yeah. She was a Catholic woman, yeah. The Catholic women went on a march when Martin Luther King got shot. So, I don't know why. I got a black arm band on. I, I'm asking my mom what, and you're like what six, five, or, yeah. yeah. And and my mom said, "Well, they they shot this man. He was a he was a peaceful man. And, I, and so why they shouldn't? Have? Well, just because. And and I, and I never got a better answer. Like, well, they just shot a guy because they killed him. And my brothers are in Vietnam. And, and I What well, you know, why are they in Vietnam? Well, two old men from these countries didn't agree. So they sent their young men to go fight their disagreement over their disagreement. Huh. I've never found a better answer than that." That my, my kindergarten answer yeah. to, to war. I'm like, well, my brothers, are they going to you know, be Did okay? Did they come back? They both came back, yeah. And how yeah. were they? My brother Mark, who just passed, he um, he never talked about it from from the time. He was a little withdrawn, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, from You remember prison.
0: him before and after?
2: I don't remember him before. Uh-huh. But he was very withdrawn Um, never would talk about, it. even I went to this, I read a lot. I went through this whole Vietnam phase of reading the things they carried and all these amazing Vietnam books. And, um, and I would try to talk to him and those, all those movies were coming up, platoon and all Uh that stuff. And I tried to talk to Mark and he, 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 um, he said the one, the one movie, one thing he said to me, he goes, the movie Hamburger Hill. Yeah. That's what it was like. Oh, senseless. Taking hill number, you know, whatever that was, yeah, sixty-two, yeah, and for no, in the a lot of guys were killed, and then you get the objective, and you just move on. Wouldn't keep the objective, just move on. So um, that was the most information I got from him about his experience. What but about I, the other one? John was fine. My oldest brother, he was, um, he flew, kind of, uh, I guess, I get spy missions they yeah. would fly over and take uh, photos yeah. I and mean, he was fine you yeah. know
0: so your other brother was in the shit and my other brother was in the and shit and one was in the air
2: yeah yeah and um they but, but growing back. up with all those experiences yeah. and you know I remember yeah commies and I remember lefties back then sure uh, just all this stuff and pinkos and yeah. you know um
0: that's weird because you grew up in it. You and I are like exactly the same age. I'm 55. Me too. Okay. And like you know, I remember very early on, like I didn't have brothers. We you the youngest. Yeah, I'm the youngest. Really, of yeah. eight.
2: So how yeah. many boys? How so many my, girls? My parents are, are. I grew up in with Depression era values. My my parents grew up in the and Catholic values clearly. Um, my mom went south of the Catholic Church uh-huh. when uh, it was the Vatican II came in. It got uh-huh. really conservative and. I just remember us going to Catholic church where the nuns didn't wear habits and the, so more uh, liberal Catholic. They, she went that way and then she, yeah, she kind of left the Catholic church. Uh, so I, my older siblings grew up more in the Catholic indoctrination and Catholic school. She shifted went pu- in the sixties. I went to public school. Oh, yeah. you got, you, yeah. yeah, you got lucky. You my, got my next oldest brother and I went to public. Yeah, schools.
0: you got the re- the street education. Yeah. So, but how many girls? How many boys? Uh, three
2: sisters, five boys.
0: That's insane. But, yeah. like, I remember, like, I didn't have proximity like you did, which must have been helpful in a lot of ways. But I remember when I was very young and the Vietnam War was going on and I saw the hippies, like, I instantly wanted to be that. Like, you know, they'd show them on, on TV and yeah. shit with the clothes they were wearing. And I was like, Dad, those are them. Those are who, that's what I want to be. Look at them smoking and hanging out, growing their hair long. I remember it having a profound effect on me. And uh, I wanted nothing more than to to be that kind of I wanted that rock and roll kind of hippie thing. Yeah,
2: I had an older brother Bruce, still do, um, who you know played in a band then. In the sixties, in the sixties, and the Sonics were a big thing in Seattle.
0: I, yeah, I have their. I have a reissue of one of their records. I think Jack White reissued some Sonics record.
2: I mean, it's classic garage.
0: Yeah, yeah, rock, sure. So they were around.
2: They they were. We had the Sonics record. It was a day glow orange yeah and i was being a little kid that's the record you want to put on stay glow orange yeah it's cool looking. and they had a song called the witch you know i thought it was sure. about a real witch on so yeah. a broom yeah um but uh again, this-
0: did you make your isn't your new record coming out in day glow something or is it gold? Or what, there's are, no
2: take. Oh, there's a uh, yellow and and red vinyl. Oh, okay, yeah yeah yeah, 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 right. Could have went with glow, <laughs> Just a little nostalgia. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I guess.
0: So you had that music in the house when you were very young. Like you had all this influence. Yeah. You had brothers with record collections, and you had you know like a you know long hair and weed and stuff, and there you was saw weed, all that shit. A lot
2: of weed. Yeah, I I smoked my first weed when I, it's funny because I have girls who are eighteen and twenty one now, and raising them up too. Yeah. I smoked. Weed in the fourth grade. And yeah. I'm looking at my girls in the fourth grade. I'm like, that's really, really young. Um, 18 and 21. So, so they they never knew you fucked up. Nope. Wow. Good for you. But there's plenty of YouTube. You know. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> I uh, yeah, had they to. Can, they can find it. They yeah, yeah I had do to a have, search
0: on Duff fucked up, and they can
2: see if probably. <laughs> yeah, I've never done that because I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> but they they know my story because I've told them my story. Sure. And I've told them, look, guys, you have like half of my genes in you. Yeah. And we got to be careful.
0: You got it. You got it genetically. You think it goes back your old man and, and where? Where's the alcoholism? Where's the? It's
2: kind of everywhere in in. Um, in it, it, my my family yeah my my mom's brother's uh-huh. family he yeah. yeah he got sober he was a doctor my mom's brother yeah he was the one who um that they put all the family resources into yeah yeah in oh yeah yeah 40s we got one let's yeah. make <laughs> yeah let's go
0: we're gonna deliver this it's one all the way through either gonna be a
2: priest or a doctor yeah and let's go and um so there was yeah he got sober for sure so,
0: so you knew sober alcoholics you knew that there was people in your family that no longer drank because
2: it was bad for them those are the ones you hid from yeah <laughs> you don't want to hear it you didn't want to hear it oh yeah. no you don't want to be judged but um do you do you just do it with, with uh your
0: own system or you do the thing
2: i i i got sober because i got i'm coming
0: up on 20 and i do the thing you, you know, do I, the thing yeah
2: i i i like the thing yeah and I have a lot of friends, and I, I like going to those yeah. fellowship yeah. Uh, um, uh, groupings. Yeah. Um, secret meetings. Secret, secret society. S- it's a secret society. Yeah, yeah. We have a handshake. Sure. And all of that.
0: Handshake. We got uh, things that we do together. We wear hats. Yeah. We, really? Where's that one? Going, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to the hat meeting.
2: Um, but I got sober in a, in a really... Uh, for me, it was profound. It had to be because um, my, my body... A lap turn at 30 and my pancreas burst. Oh, let's and, work up
0: to that. Like, yeah. like, let's go back to uh, to the Sonics record and your brothers from Vietnam and the records in the house because so, we were downstairs talking about records and you mm-hmm. said you had a relationship with a record player.
2: I had a relationship. Well, we had a man, we had a reel to reel, yeah. It was it was a while before we got the uh, technics or techniques, right? Sure, yeah. Turntable, yeah. Did I, a, take, like a TIAC reel to reel. We had a reel to reel. My brother brought back from Vietnam, right? Receiver and speakers, uh-huh. and just when FM radio started, yeah, right. And we had reel to reel, so we had James Gang, yeah, Sliding the Family Stone on um, reel to reel, reel to reel. I knew how, I knew how to do all that yeah. stuff.
0: Had the little leader on it, and if you needed to make a new
2: one, you could, you know, yeah. tape it on there. Yeah, James Gang, man, Joe Walsh, really cool racco- yeah. uh tapes, and then we got, and then there was FM radio in Seattle. They would just play kinda think they would just play records, you know, the at whole first. side, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, there was stuff I didn't like because I'm a little kid, right? Mm-hmm. So you your tastes go to more Sly and the Family Stone, like wow, there's a lot going on, yeah, there. yeah. Had, like, all these voices, yeah, or Sergeant Pepper's because sure. of the cover, yeah, of the record, great cover. And uh, but you know, Bob Dylan or, or um, Iron Butterfly I just like was too like dylan as a little kid it was like it was just it's just this heavy. guy talking yeah. over and yeah, yeah. over again I, I was like i can't do that but you had
0: a lot in the house and you had a lot going on and you had uh you know like siblings who were actually you know engaged in you know what was happening in the world and a mother who was engaged in what yeah. was happening in the world and he <clears> saw <throat> it from an early age so it's like it makes sense that you know you, you're kind of compelled now you're, or in the last decade or two whenever to to sort of uh, go out into the world and educate yourself, and you know, and see what's up, because like there is a you know a sentiment on this record of, of you know, you know, wanting social change, observing you know how we're you know losing our grasp of you know what's good.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, I I think you know the, the I'm not to sound like a um, I'll just say it. Yeah. Um, the America that I know. And I'll just talk about America because I'm American, yeah. right? I, I could talk about other countries, yeah. but that's way more observational and and uh, been. But I've traveled to these countries mm-hmm. a lot in the last thirty mm-hmm. something years. Again, over yeah, I mean, you know, Germany before the wall went down, I've been there. You yeah. know, after when the wall was going down, after it went down touring. I, I touring. Yeah, I could tell you a lot about what I observed. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not German, right? Uh, as an American. We grew up with eight kids my dad was a fireman you do the math how much money we had right He's so we a had fireman, to feed huh? yeah. we had to feed all these kids wow. right and everyone's we had, wearing each other's
0: clothes that's it yeah
2: and uh, big bags of Cheerios. And right. You don't know any better. Who cares? Yeah, you know? yeah. you're, you're eating breakfast. You're eating breakfast, man. <laughs> it's Cheerios <laughs> every day, but um, you you just assume that's what everybody else sure, has, man. too.
0: Yeah, until some guy, you go to your friend's house for breakfast, and you're like,
2: what's this? Well, it was like in middle school. Uh, oh, man, I could tell you so many interesting things. I, I, as an adult, I yeah. can look back and go, that was so interesting. Uh, I started public school the year that We started integration
1: and Uh busing in Seattle. Yeah.
2: My family is is mixed. My oldest sister, Carol, married a black man in 1962. Uh Uh-huh. It was not, you know, that was... Heavy. It was illegal in some states, in a lot of states, because my oldest two nephews and niece are mixed. Yeah, And they're about my age.
1: Right.
2: Right. Anyhow, so there was a kid on our block who was a Caucasian kid, but he had white blotches on his skin it was a pigment thing so yeah. i thought there was just like and then there was a, a Fel, filipino family yeah. lived across the street sure so there was uh, you know people that that and there was there was polka dotted kids yeah <laughs> and there was you know mixed <laughs> that kids that was one of
0: the that was one of the races you thought the polka dotted kids you know it was going just white it, with white watches we yeah. all
2: played together yeah. right right and uh so with you know it's It's definitely a learned behavior to be, you know, have something against somebody with a different color. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Because we just played together
0: and- Yeah, there's an innocent questioning. Like, you know, what's that? How come you're different? But not like, you know, fuck you, you're different. No, it would
2: last maybe about 30 seconds and then you'd move on because you got to pick teams for, for, uh, you know. you
0: got to run around. Yeah, Yeah. throwing
2: dirt clods at each other, (laughs) right? Um, So an interesting way to grow up. I, I don't think Seattle really, there wasn't a, that, that I knew of, a, a racist. There was the Central District, the CD, we called it. Where'd you uh, grow up? And the Central District yeah. was where, you know, it was African-American.
0: Yeah, my, was. my ex-wife, my first ex-wife grew up in Seattle, and her dad was is married to an uh, African-American woman, and she kind of grew up. In the CD? A, yeah, in, yeah, a, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure which part, but she, she wrote a, a book about it, about uh, oh. growing up. Uh, with a dad who was basically a white guy who was encultured black, you know he she you know oh, like wow. he, he was that trip. It's called I'm Down, uh, and
2: uh, yeah, if you read like the Quincy Jones book Cube, where he you know is talking about Seattle and the jazz scene, yeah. and the uh, Ray Charles moved there when he was fifteen. There was quite a quite a like Hendrix. black jazz scene in the forties, yeah. and yeah. it, was, it was pretty open. I think you it know it seemed
0: like it was pretty for a, a pretty uh, you know uh, fertile music scene of all kinds right yeah. it proves to be there's something about the air up there and the dope that
2: <laughs> i saw the dope come into that town man. the black dope right uh, the, the tar the, 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 i saw it coming in 81 and 82 that when it really first came in and it decimated my whole scene and that's why i moved to la i mean that was the, like the well, what, what what what
0: when did you start you know um, you know, playing out when, you know, what, how did, so you saw the creation of what became the grunge scene, but, you know, as a kid, you knew the Sonics were there, but like all throughout your childhood there, you know, there was music, rock music happening mm-hmm. in Seattle. So when did you become part of the scene that was evolving?
2: Okay. Because I'm a, from a family of eight kids. Yeah. You want, you got nothing of your own. Right. So you might have like this baseball bat is mine
1: right right yeah. and that's
2: it's mine yeah. it's not ours yeah. it's mine yeah and uh i saw punk rock flyers on yeah. the telephone poles the yeah. mentors and the lewd and doa yeah and i just started kind of my brother older brother showed me three chords on the guitar yeah i started playing bass there was a drum kit next door at the neighbors i would play that yeah it's made you know made to uh, keep time yeah you know push. how old are you Fifth grade. Yeah. Sixth grade. Yeah. When I'm keeping time right. and I'm playing you play these three chords and don't don't fuck up. You know? And, 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 and play yeah. uh today today's your birthday on the na, 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 na. Okay. Yeah. Well that's the what I realized later, that's the major blue scale. Sure. Yeah. I didn't have to learn much more and, than
0: that. Yeah. Three chords, a pentatonic scale, and keep time. And there's You're the set. notes in
2: there. <laughs> and if yeah, yeah. um I didn't <laughs> learn much more than that until I started taking bass lessons in my forties. <laughs> <laughs> didn't need to you know it's all ear and, yeah. and and so anyhow i see these punk rock posters and i'm like that's something that could be my own and i was so intrigued by it yeah. and i saw there was a kid uh with a pink mohawk that would walk through a neighborhood and yeah. finally i talked to him and he's like hey uh, i'm starting a band man you want to play in my band yeah and uh and I was 13 yeah. and my buddy, Andy, my best friend, like he, him and I, he played drums and oh, I, I played bass if that's what it took. I got a Gibson EBO to this guy. I had a paper route. I bought it for 125 bucks. I'm sure it was hot. Yeah. Uh, but it was 125 bucks I could save up for my paper route. Got that bass, Put a, you know, uh, eventually I put a black flag sticker. I don't know what happened to this bass, by the way. Anybody yeah. out there listening <laughs> sees this bass? I lost it in like 85. <laughs> In LA, <laughs> if somebody found it, I'll uh, You'll I'll buy it you buy it back. I'll buy it back. I'll do you a solid. Yeah, I won't. No, no questions asked. Gibson EBO. Um, anyhow, we started this band um, called The Veins, and all I knew what to do was like you write a song. Whatever that meant, right. And uh, I wasn't good enough to write a song like The Witch. I mean, that's like a real song. Sonics right? tune. So we would just, the, the Sonic song or, or Beatles song, so you would just write, I got turned on to The, to the Pistols. Yeah. And I got turned on to The sweet. Yeah. And I got turned on, DOA was yeah. like our kiss. Yeah. And uh, The Avengers and uh, uh, The Clash. And, and I got turned on to 999 and UK subs. And all of this stuff came flying in and the Slade. And and uh, then somebody said, "Well, you know, this came from the Stooges, yeah. you know." And I, oh, oh. oh. and I'm like all of a sudden the Stooges, oh my God! <laughs> I, and I'm going crazy because all of this great music is dropping into my lap. I'm dropping, and we're writing songs. We don't know how to write songs, yeah. and, and um, but we just w- the thing is, we got a gig in a week. Yeah, so we got to write the songs, and you just go out and play them. And um, we, I remember we, Andy and I, we were little thieves, man, and we we. have <laughs> Stole all these milk cartons, plastic ones out, out of the back of a grocery store. The crates? The crates. Yeah. And then we stole some lumber and we built a stage. But yeah. suddenly, like, we had our own stage. Like, we could play anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. And sure. so you would rent yeah. these. Uh, we had it in like two pieces, this dumb stage. And, yeah. And uh, we, we'd rent like union halls. And right. You'd have to put on a, a front a punk show. Yeah, it was yeah. like you'd have to call a dance. You'd have to hire a off-duty cop uh-huh. um, for like thirty bucks. I think so it was a dollar to get in. Yeah. So you just had to make enough money to pay for the place and the cop. Yeah, and uh, you know sometimes you charge two dollars.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But and, the, and you're selling tickets. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah people yeah. are coming. You're playing for somebody. somebody somebody's somebody's
2: yeah. doing it, and um, and we just put on shows, and, and the little clubs would pop up and and close down, and and um, but um, never knew how to really write a song, just riffs and like an idea of like, oh, uh, you know, it's all middle school stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure, I, sure. I wrote this song called "The Fake." It was the first song I ever wrote. It's on a single. You can find it. The oh, Vain really? Single. From 1979, yeah, my voice hadn't changed yet, oh, man. and I'm singing the song, and it's actually part of it's like you, you'll recognize the, the the jungle riff in there, the the, the verse riff, yeah, um, it's down na 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 in middle school, who was just being a fake man. Yeah, a fake. But, you know, you fake. go back through, yeah. It's yeah. just fake.
0: Yeah, good one.
2: Yeah, thank you. You got a single? You, do you have
0: any of those records? Do you I, have them?
2: I don't, I no. And I guess, I think those singles are like $1,000 if you find a, an original one. I've Someone heard. give
0: Duff his records.
2: And then, and then kind of matriculating through the, the punk rock scene and realizing, wow, you go see a lot of other bands. You yeah. go see every band that So like a community. Town. Yeah, it yeah. was about a hundred of us,
0: right? And then people would come into town, and you would have to find out from somebody because the punk scene was all about like you know, people hearing things and you know where like record small, store. Yeah oh, our, yeah,
2: oh, our record store. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Scott McCoy, who went on to play in the Young Fresh Fellows and REM, was our record store guy, and he would he worked at the counter and he knew all the stuff. And you could look at magazines, NME, you know, yeah, and uh, sure, New York. What was it? New York, the rocker, right? Uh, uh, punk, yeah. And then Punk Magazine yeah, came punk, out. Yeah. And I think the first zine may, may have been Maximum Rock and Roll. There was there was Flipside and, and Slash. Yeah. Uh, but we were open to everything. You know, ACDC at first was like a punk rock band. It was no accepted doubt. first in yeah. punk rock. Oh, yeah. And they went and opened for, they played the Coliseum in Seattle, which is now the Key Arena. They opened, it was ACDC, mm. Cheap Trick, and Kiss. I and saw I,
0: ACDC with Journey. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I was there to see Journey.
2: Okay. <laughs> and you were probably like, What is this these this, this <laughs> punk rock band? Are- I was like, what
1: is this going?
0: It was with Bond and yeah, it was crazy. Of yeah.
2: Um and we were just so open and, and we got to see so many great shows. Um and, Kennedy's and and, and and soon enough I was in bands that were getting more serious. Yeah. And and Hardcore was kind of coming in. I was in this band. It was a hardcore band called The Farts. And I played drums. Yeah. Super fast. And and the singer of that band was The Farts? W- the Farts. Yeah. Was way more politically astute. At, we were so young, I don't know how, like happy apathy. Yeah. It was all political. Oh, yeah. Reagan was coming in. Like all this stuff was going on. Um, and he was writing about it. And yeah. he turned me on to Tank. And he turned me on- it was must have been nineteen eighty to Motorhead. Yeah. You know, Ace of Spades would just come out like, Oh, this encompasses everything. <laughs> right? Yeah. This is everything. Like <laughs> yeah. this is uh but then we went down that metal that
0: and punk and rock.
2: Yeah, Tank. There was a band Tank and it, but this guy also turned me on to Blue Cheer. Oh, and yeah. you know, you your your world's just exploding, your mind's exploding with all this great music and and I you know and these bands that we'd come and see play even the clash I saw them pre London calling. Right. At the Paramount. And again there's that those a hundred of us there. Um and w- this is when before it was even slam dancing, it was pogoing still. Sure, sure, yeah. And the security there at the at the Paramount, they were used to more straight shows, I guess, or whatever, yeah. and plays and right. stuff. And they see these kids like jumping up and down and a big yellow coated guy in the front punched a guy, of course, I knew the guy he punched because I knew every punker and yeah. Broke his nose. What the fuck? During the Clash show because he thought we were fighting, oh. I guess. Yeah. And Strummer stopped the show, man.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, And Paul Simonon came out with an axe from the side, like a firefighting axe. Yeah. to chop down the wooden barrier. And he said, uh, Strummer said, there's no difference between us and you. We're, uh, we're in this thing together. And, you know, he dressed down the security like we're in this we're human beings you know this guy's just dancing and he broke his nose and you know and wow stop the show and i realized like man these guys are so exotic this is the clash yeah they're singing about london's burning i have no idea what that means you know yeah but but he stopped the show to say that we're all in this together that there's yeah. no difference between them and us and, and that stuck with you to, to this day yeah when i play shows you know um uh, I've met so many fans in going back to me going out meeting yeah. people and talking to people. Yeah. I've met so many fans and I've and I've been over the years, you know, even and and now and when you assume you're the most interesting person in the room, <laughs> I always find myself to be so so wrong right. and so full of my fucking <laughs> self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's people that are coming to our shows that have there's so many stories and there's there might be somebody just you know, his wife might have just died of cancer and they bring in their little girl, you yeah. know, they because because Sweet Child show. of Mine oh, yeah. was this song that they had in common with their mom and that happened they came to seven song seven shows in a row and they're crying when we play that song. What's going on there? And I met the, the them on the street in New Orleans. So I was out with my wife and it was this guy and his little girl and I I got a I got daughters, man. I you know, I I'm Like oh, I see you guys at the shows, and then they we were walking. And they said we don't want to bother you guys. We you know we're just
1: yeah. No, no you're not
2: bothering us. We're just walking in New Orleans, and and they were so sweet. And I gave the little girl a pic, and she started crying. I had a guitar picks in my in my pocket, and the, the the dad he started telling me the story. You know, of the his mom and she yeah. passed away, and then "Sweet Child of Mine" was a song, and, they, and I'm like, that's why you guys are. He brings her up front to these huge shows. And so many stories like that. Yeah. That these aren't just punters coming to our show, you know what I mean? And it goes back to Joe Strummer, like I was an interesting person at that clash show. I had a story. Yeah. We all had stories and the clash had the stories, but together we're stronger together and uh,
1: And
0: also you you've you've been around now in this band in one form or another, you know, whether it was on record and even when you weren't in the band to where, you know, there's multi generations. Like yeah, you there have, is multi, like three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you got, you know, you got grandparents or even you know parents and grandparents turning grandkids on, or, and parents turning kids on, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, to this music, which is pretty timeless,
2: you know. You know, we say we're we're fifty five years old because we are, but we're really not. Like, I still see my because there's the Stones and there's like Sabbath sure. and Aerosmith. Couple, I mean, these are the bands I was listening to as They're a in their seventies, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see the fans of the Stones coming, sure. And those are like the grandparents, I guess,
0: right? Sure. I mean, I go, I, you know, when I went to the Stones show, I, I was like, I'm, I'm not the oldest guy here, man. I mean, these some of these oh, cats no. have been with them since the beginning, so they're, um, they're the same age, are in the se- you know late sixties, seventies.
2: Yeah, and the, the people of the parents, I yeah. guess, are like my age, sure. or some of the people my age are grandparents. Yeah, exactly, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. so you'll see a whole like collection of people together you' You recognize that's a family.
0: And it's like, I think initially, like, you know, if you go back to your younger self, you would think that would de- deny the the menace of the music. But, you know, as you get older and you realize that this is part of the American songbook in a way, and it's a global phenomenon and that it, it, it stays, you know, music stays around forever. You know, you're not up there going like, you know, fuck you old people. You know, you know, you're now it's sort of like, yeah, you know, we play this music because we love it. We made it and it's for everybody. And it's sort of sweet. To see several generations of people.
2: Yeah. I mean if they're into It's So Easy as a song yeah. or yeah. or Coma, which is about, you know, a guy looking for a way to, to suicide, yeah. you know, like cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you but want you, your kid to hear that good. And they're rocking out to sure, coma. Yeah. You know, like it's what a brutal song. Um, so
0: when you were coming up, like, you know, when so you you were in Seattle when, you, when Alice in Chains and Nirvana and Soundgarden, or had you already left?
2: I left in 84.
0: So that was before?
2: Yeah. So I knew like Chris Cornell, Kim Thale. They yeah. hadn't started Soundgarden yet.
0: But you guys were hanging around. They were part yeah. of the punk scene, some of them. Yeah. And, and you
2: saw the dope ben come in. Ben Shepherd from Soundgarden. Those guys were all part of the, the early punk scene. And, yeah. and you saw the dope come in? I saw the dope come in. To, to Seattle, it was 1981, late 1981. Yeah. And there were some people, some of the older people like yeah. doing, they, they're shooting heroin in their arms, you know, like, okay.
0: Now, had you had you been aware of that with your brother's generation? I mean, did, you know, because like a lot of those guys came back, you know, kind of fucked up.
2: Yeah, my brother didn't come back fucked That's up good. on drugs. That's good. Yeah, so there I, I didn't see heroin in Seattle. Until it came into my scene, uh-huh. and it came in, and it seemed like there was just this huge influx influx of heroin. Suddenly, there was, yeah, yeah,
0: and um, it's a new market, a new kind of dope.
2: Yeah, and, and it was it, that
0: black dope, right? The tar? It was tar. Yeah. so that was a whole new thing.
2: Yeah, and and it suddenly everybody in my scene, the ex- scene had gotten bigger. By '82, there was people. There was the you know, there was the suburban kids coming yeah. in, and, and right. uh, you know, they thought slam dancing was fighting and you know all kinda sure. I could comment on the shift just from that.
0: the the shift from the pogo to the slam dance.
2: To the slam dance too then you like some kids coming from the, like all of a sudden like white power shit and like whoa 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 you guys yeah, got yeah. this all wrong. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. isn't about come, they that. come
0: in from Idaho or <laughs> whatever. Eastern Washington you or whatever. Know, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: It came in and really decimated. Um I had a job, I had a band that was doing really well. We got signed to Jell O's uh, label yeah. alternative tentacles oh yeah this band the farts had mer- morphed into this band called 10 minute warning uh-huh we went on tour with black flag yeah. we're on tour with dead kennedys we were maybe like like we had we were the first band to slow things down yeah and we were playing like these long slowed down psychedelic crazy songs and um we got signed to jello's thing we could have been like we we gonna be the thing yeah this band was serious but then heroin came into the band yeah just decimated this band. We just got oh, man, our band, not our band, and uh, th- my roommate I lived with. He got strung out. Who was my? These are all all my friends that are my best friends. And you just see him turn
0: into those zombies.
2: Yeah, and then my, it happened to my my girlfriend. Yeah, and just seemingly everyone around me. And uh, that by this time I'm 19. And
0: yeah. you didn't get you didn't get involved no. with it then.
2: No, I was drink. I did, dude. I did so many drugs by the time I was. Sixteen. Yeah, did I went straight edge for a year and a half? Yeah, like I'd done quaaludes, Valium, uh, uh, cocaine, acid. uh, Acid, yes. <laughs> Man, we could walk okay. home from school and pick mushrooms. Yeah, we knew by by seventh grade. I knew how to discern a liberty cap from anything else. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very young. Yeah. Uh, pot, I'd given up. That was for that was for hippies. By yeah. the time I'm like ninth grade, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and got into some harder drugs. Didn't get into heroin because it hadn't hit by the time of ninth grade. I don't think, but. Um, I was, at the same time, I was getting very serious about music. By my 10th grade, I was, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. Right. I'm going to stop doing crime. I'm going to stop stealing cars. Yeah. I'm going to stop doing drugs. Did you get busted for that shit? Um, My friend got busted yeah. for Grand Theft Auto, yeah. my best friend. Yeah. It's a high-speed chase. Oh, shit. And that's when I was like, okay. That's done. We're done. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> you weren't in the car that night. I was not. Yeah, no, lucky. no. Lucky. I had gotten arrested in the eighth grade for, you know, throwing rocks at a cop car blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But uh, that was about as- That's good. Drastic as it went.
0: So all this dope comes in. You see people dying?
2: People died. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when you decided to leave? People, oh man, uh, man. People, like, there was a drug house. All my friends, their house turned into a drug house where you go get a yeah. uh, score. And uh, like a Mexican gang came in, tied them all up, had machine guns, masks. Like uh, one of the girls got sexually molested. They pistol whipped a guy. Like it was getting very, very serious. Yeah. Where's the dope? Where's the money? Beating the fuck out of the guy. You know, like yeah. this kind of dark stuff started yeah. happening all over the place.
0: In the in mid 80s. It's 83. Right.
2: Yeah. Eighty-three, and I'm playing music. My band signed the, the Jello's label. My band's falling apart. Yeah. My friend comes to me, who's a junk, and he says, "Man, if you don't get out now, like you're our hope.
0: <laughs> you know, oh, you're he, our hope." He knew he was lost.
2: Yeah, and he and he's still alive, that guy, but he still is lost. But I will never uh, uh, can't thank him enough for like pulling me aside and going, "You got something." Yeah, I gotta, they,
0: uh, it happened to meet that one time, the drug dealer told me, "I got to get out of town," and I was like okay right. if you're telling me that
2: right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so uh so in 84 so i had a job i, I worked at this bakery um being a baker's hard work but i knew how to buy this but i worked there a year and a half by yeah. the end of that i was a i was an actual pastry chef i started as a dishwasher ended yeah. as a pastry chef
0: so you can cook a cake
2: I could cook I could bake anything. Yeah. Man. as a pastry chef, yeah, like everything from sourdough. Do you bread, still do it? I don't my wife I mean once in a while I'll make like but I it's been so long, like All I'll right. fuck it up. I'll make yeah. I'll try to make this, this lattice topped yeah. you know, raspberry <laughs> torte with you know <laughs> Yeah. And it looks you're, awful. You're a little and
0: out of shape with the Yeah, thing. I'm out
2: of you that's a thing with the competition. Re- you're,
0: you're, you're out of pie shape. I'm out of pie
2: shape, yeah. Man. But my wife, of course, like this is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You are the best baker. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> not anymore. That but... <laughs> was like forty years ago. Uh, but thank you, honey.
0: So you got uh, that skill when you go to Los Angeles. So
2: I have a resume. I had three hundred and sixty bucks. No button. By the time I'm nineteen, I toured in punk rock tours and done yeah. that stuff. A lot of West Coast stuff. So I have three hundred and sixty bucks. I have my, I sell my drum kit, which is a piece of shit. I sell it for like a hundred bucks. I had what I'd saved up, which was like $215, yeah two hundred and fifteen dollars, and I had my three hundred dollar car, and um I put a guitar amp, bass amp, I had a bass and a guitar, and I headed south. Yeah. And uh little I know the guitar that I got in Seattle that i traded for it was stolen from L.A. five years prior from a guitar store in the valley. Get out of here. So I come down. I finally get an, I get a job right away. Yeah. Because I have a resume. I th- think Northridge is um is L.A. Yeah. When you've been driving 24 hours, right. you see all those lights. Okay, yeah. I'm in here in L.A. Forgetting <laughs> yeah. where the Cathay de Grande is. Uh, Cath- yeah. uh, uh, Hollywood's further. Yeah, yeah. But I was just done. I'm like done driving. I need a good job now. Yeah. So I got a job at Black Angus in Northridge. Yeah. Had a resume, they could. They were hiring right away. Yeah, for a uh, uh, for a cook. Yeah, boom. There I was. I was working, and yeah. after that job, after that night of work, I asked an older guy who was like a chef there, and I said, "Where's Hollywood?" He's like, "Hollywood's twenty five miles away, man." Yeah. I'm like, oh crap. But uh <laughs> yeah, <I'm> close though. <laughs> so I didn't have enough money to get an apartment. I I uh, stayed in my car for the first couple weeks. Yeah. Washed at work. Yeah. Uh, got my first paycheck. Got an apartment on Ivar. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is right when the Olympics had left LA. There was the Summer Olympics yeah. in 84. Yeah. So I guess when there, I guess they'd cleaned up Hollywood right. for the Olympics. Yeah. And then when it was over, cops just left. Yeah. So it was the Wild West, man. Yeah. And if I was escaping heroin in Seattle, Boy, did I move into the center of it in Hollywood. <laughs> and uh, man, right. The, but at least I reckon, by this point, I was thought, okay, well, it's just everywhere. Yeah. And I'm here. Moved to LA. I had to pawn my guitar. It was the most expensive thing I had. Yeah. Just to, between paycheck and rent, there was a, this little lapse and I would have to pawn the guitar for $39 yeah. or whatever it was. Right. And now I could make rent and then I get my paycheck, go get my guitar out of pawn. Right. I did it like five times, and uh, after the fifth time, these cops came to my shitty little apartment. That's just I lived with thousands of cockroaches. Because uh, they
0: they run the numbers at the from the pawn shop. Yeah,
2: you have to give your ID. You yeah, know? yeah. And they said, "Do you have this guitar?" They are playing clothes cops. Show me their badges. I'm like, "Yeah, I have. I have that guitar you're talking about." We, we, we got to take it. It was they, they recognized I was too young to have stolen it five years earlier. in LA. <laughs> they saw my IDs from Washington State. Yeah. They said, well, we have to take that guitar. They're looking at my apartment. I've got nothing. Oh. I've got a bass though. Yeah. And uh, they take it and they said, we'll, we'll try to talk to the, the guitar store owner and see if you can buy it. But he called me to his credit. He called me and, and he said, I can sell you. Sorry, man. Yeah, but uh, it was stolen from me. Yeah, I can sell you for five hundred bucks. I'm like, I don't have five hundred. I don't have anything close. I'm just making rent and my phone bill. I didn't have car insurance. Um, by this time, I'm working at a phone sales place. Yeah, you know Bronson yeah. in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, um,
2: and doing like. Driving stuff around that I didn't know, but it was okay because uh, it was a bunch of Hungarian guys, yeah, and Mikey my name's they they called me Mikey yeah right? Mikey doesn't ask questions yeah I'm like okay, it must be some something, something bad in the back I don't know what it is something
0: bad in the back that's the name of the next record,
2: right, you know I think it I think it was like um you know, back then it was fake Jordache jeans oh, and right. fake- Knockoffs. W- knockoffs. Yeah. I think that's what I was driving around. I'd like to think you, Were you playing at all? So I, yeah, man. I mean, I came, that's what I came to do. Right. I didn't came, come- So you got no guitar now, now you got just a, I bass. Got a bass. So I meet Slash two
0: weeks in. From the ad. From the ad. It's a, What were the three bands? Uh, Aerosmith, uh, Fear- Alice Cooper, and, and Fear. And... And that's weird because that was exactly what you were working towards, right? It's
2: great. It's perfect. His name is Slash, man. And so uh, yeah, we meet he's he and Steven have a band called Road Crew. Yeah. There's no singer. Yeah. But at least it was a chance for me to play with Slash and Steven. And Slash was this you know, I recognize him as like something. This kid is like (laughs) this guy is like
0: from The Golden Child. Yeah. Yeah,
2: what is the deal? And his mom was really nice to me. No, kn- knew like I was down there by myself, and she would she would call and check up on me, and like you know you can always come over if you're hungry or something. Very sweet. I felt like I had like a a home. And yeah. Stephen Adler was his sweetest guy. Izzy moved across the street from me sometime in there. The next in that first couple just months. by coincidence. Stradlin did yeah yeah yeah. And um, uh, I see this Johnny Thunder's looking guy at the phone booth. Yeah. No, doing what I know is a drug deal for right. sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyhow, I talked to him afterwards. He's like, "Man, uh, we kind of recognize each other as kind of like
0: kindred spirits." Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Think,
2: um, '84. You got to realize '84. So just disciples of of punk rock and and Johnny Thunders yeah. and and Steve Jones's guitar playing. Right. Let, let's be honest. That's yeah. That's what it is. Um, and so as he said, I mean, I'm me and. Uh, my friend are starting this band, you know, uh, you play bass and, um, it was Guns N' Roses. It was Axel. His yeah. friend was Axel. And I, right. Slash had taken me to see L.A. Guns when Axel was in L.A. Guns. Uh-huh. Right? 84.
0: That must have been something.
2: But I see this guy get up and I'd seen... Rollins, like the first, when he first got in Black Flag, my first gig was opening for Black Flag with Ron Reyes as a singer. Right. Right before Rollins. Yeah. And then Des Kadena came through as a singer. And then Des went to guitar. And Rollins, this guy who I'd read, he'd written a couple of things in Mac, Maximum Rock and Roll. I right. knew he was from DC, from yeah. SOA. Or right. He was this really kind of hardcore dude. Yeah. Like he was writing columns. And yeah. This guy was serious and he's going to be in Black Flag. That's a thing. Yeah. And he's ready for it. And so my band, 10 Minute Warning, the, one, the on we did like four shows or five shows with Black Flag with Henry. Yeah. His first time in, and he was so intense, man. And like, even a sound check, uh, I like him just getting ready, I w- would stay 50 feet away from him. Yeah. It was like, he looked like a time bomb. And about he's to like go 20, off.
0: right? How old was he?
2: I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's 20, but he was like hardcore man and the way he approached a show man it was it was all it was uh, everything
0: very focused in charisma everything and that's what he felt that when he saw axel for the first time so
2: when i I see this guy come out and he fucking he's the way he's singing i'd never heard anybody sing like that you know i just met slash who's this guitar player like from mars yeah and i see this singer (laughs) and he's really serious man yeah. And something pissed him off and he fucking breaks a fucking glass on stage, says he's going to kick somebody's fucking ass and, yeah. it, and he's not joking. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he's not joking. Yeah. Right? I, you back away from yeah. the stage yeah. Like, yeah. like Henry, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's some guys, most of them. Yeah. 99.5% is like, <laughs> shut up. Right. But there was a few dudes. Yeah. That, he was one of them, yeah. you know, in, in, in Rollins. Yeah. And, uh, and Axel, yeah, what I reckon I'm like. That's, yeah. that's. He's in that mold, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we go out. Izzy takes me out to rehearsal, and there's Axel. He's testing out the microphone, and like two voices are coming out of his voice, out of his mouth at once. Like a low register yeah. and a high register, and he's just doing like a scream on the, t- t- checking out the PA, yeah. testing the PA. And I'm like, whoa, you know. And uh, the band that originally was two other guys: Rob Gardner on yeah. drums and Tracy Guns on right. guitar. There was some; they had so- songs, and it was like, okay, we played. Uh, wasn't Axel and Izzy were amazing, and Tracy was amazing, and Rob. I don't mean mean to put them down, yeah. But there was something missing, and I've right. been in enough bands at that point to know there, there's just something
1: yeah.
2: intangible missing. Right. So Izzy and I booked this punk rock tour for that band to do. And we'll start in Seattle, come down Portland. I'll play all the punk rock places. Yeah. And uh, two of the guys, Rob and Tracy, said, well, where are we going to stay? Like, what do you mean we're going to go on tour? Like, where are we going to? Yeah. And the punk rock tours, you just stay at whoever offers you a place to stay. Right. There'll be somebody. Yeah. Or the club owners say you guys can sleep here. Yeah. Or you figure it out. But right. it doesn't matter. We're gonna, right. We got these gigs. Yeah. You know, that's what matters. And two of the guys dropped out, and uh, we still wanted to do the tour, so it was just incestuous. Axel had played with Slash and I believe Steven and Izzy had played with Steven and whatever happened. I'm like, and I played with Slash and Steven. Well, let's get those two guys (laughs) Let's see if they'll do the tour. And they were like, yes, we'll do the tour. But the, the moment that the five of us were in a room at Nikki beats rehearsal room in Silver Lake. Yeah. Uh, we knew Nikki and, uh, we went and the first three chords we played together it was like oh there's this <laughs> thing it's there it's yeah. all there yeah like, okay and we went and did this tour we, we had to hitchhike our car broke down our friend's car in Bakersfield as you know Seattle's quite a ways. Yeah. from Bakersfield sure man yeah but the five of us hitchhiked yeah all the way to Seattle yeah that's a thousand miles yeah
0: <laughs> Doing gigs along the way? That's where you started.
2: No, our gear was left in Bakersfield. (laughs) So we called the band that we're playing with in Seattle. Can we use your gear if we make it to Seattle? Yeah, you can use our gear. But you guys are going to hitchhike from Bakersfield? Yes, we're going to make it. And and that odyssey, which it was, dude. It wasn't one ride. Right. Um, That odyssey of us getting up there. It's five dudes. Starving. Yeah. No money. We had $37, (laughs) which we had to give to a trucker. To give us a ride up to Medford, yeah. so we did have one ride from. But we were all in like the the cubby, or the yeah, whatever, right? Yeah, the bed. Yeah, with our guitars, you know, like for. <laughs> and the guys all high on crank. His uh-huh. eyes are all black, and <laughs> we get to Medford. That's like halfway. Yeah, you know, um, but we we got rides somewhere five miles, you know, the back of somebody's pickup, and then these two girls, uh, these two women, to yeah. us, they were, they were probably thirty. Four, yeah but they were like women yeah they came and picked us up they had a they had a pickup truck that had a cover in the back yeah and they pulled over look at us on the road like we were all like who would pick us up and they said look we were hippies so maybe they're older than 34 yeah and we used to hitchhike here and nobody would pick us up because of the way we looked so we actually passed you guys yeah and, and they, they, had had they had a discussion and they got off at the next and they came back around and they <laughs> picked us up and they said are you guys hungry?" We said, yeah, we're really hungry. <laughs> so they got us a six-pack of beer and some sandwiches. Yeah. And they t- gave us a ride to Portland. Yeah. Like, we can take you to Portland. And and I at that where we got sandwiches and beer, I called my friend in Seattle collect. I'm like, we're getting a ride to Portland. Can you come get us, man? Yeah. And that's 180 miles south of Seattle. He came down and got us and got us to Seattle. We made the show. And we went to that like we we just knew if we can go through this together and pl- we were we were awful that first gig yeah um but we did it we made the thing. Three people were there. Now in Seattle, you know, hundreds of people say they were there at that first show. <laughs> <laughs> there was three people there, and I know knew all three of them. So, <laughs> so that's the myth that the, there were hundreds of people there. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I was at that show. No, you weren't at that show. And that started. That was the history, right? That's what got us started, and we we just and then we had a show back at the Troubadour, like on a Monday night. You know, that was supposed to end this tour. We weren't able to do the Portland show, Eugene show. Sacramento we didn't have a car. Right. So and our gear was still in Bakersfield, so we just got a ride all the way uh, my friends my friends said, I gotta go to LA. I'll give you guys a ride. So you know? but
0: you guys bonded and you knew that, you know, you guys could do it. Oh yeah. Like, and you got to know each other and all the insanity and everything else. All of that. And you're all like twenty what? One or two or twenty. Twenty. Yeah. And then you go back and you just lean into it.
2: We leaned into it hard. Yeah. Yeah. We got a little place. To rehearse and live um, had no bathroom. It was behind where Qatar Center is. Uh, yeah. At sunset. Yeah. There was an alley and a these little like storage rooms. Yeah. And we took one of those and yeah we that's perfect. We leaned into it.
0: And then like you know I get it, then it becomes history. Like Appetite comes in out in what eighty seven and uh, Adler craps out.
1: But Not it was right he-
2: away. You know. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of drugs. I mean. I was telling you, I saw this documentary last night about yeah. a guy, this famous kind of Hollywood guy, and it reminded me of, this is pre-AIDS Hollywood.
0: Kind of. Right? It was around. It I mean, was, okay, so I worked. it it's sort of. The,
2: the bakery I worked at in Seattle, it was all gay men. Yeah. So I remember when it first came in, the bathtub thing and all of that, yeah. right? So that was eighty four, eighty three, eighty four, and and the guys I worked with, you know, when you work in a restaurant, you're very close with the people you sure. work with, yeah. And they would tell me all the gory details of st- everything, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot of information, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but this thing started coming around. It was called grids at first. Uh-huh. Do you? I don't know if you remember that gay related immune. Oh, right. G- it was called grids at uh-huh. first. I remember this like back of my hand. Yeah. Gay related immune deficiency syndrome. Yeah. So it was just thought of really as. Like a gay, something right. was happening sure. somehow.
0: Right. So you're I, saying that when you guys were starting out, it wasn't, you know, you were just you going at it. You, everything, everything was everything shared all the time. openly. Yeah.
2: Everything and everyone. So you got and, lucky. Yeah, I got lucky. And, and there was just a lot of drugs, and, and, and we all fell victim to it for sure. Um, you got strung out? Later. Oh, yeah? Because I was still like- Just boozy? I, I was boozy, just boozy. And I wasn't even that- fucked up like through the appetite thing and all that i drank probably more than the, the it, way more than the average human being drank yeah. but for for us that was like keeping it even cute right right um axel kept it together pretty damn good we all experimented with stuff but yeah. but you know we had we did have three guys in the band that were fully strung out
1: yeah <laughs>
2: fully
0: strung out <laughs> and it's hard to manage huh
2: It's, you know, okay, we're gonna try to kick together. They got some, like, some drug they heard about that you're yeah. supposed to make your kick one day yeah. and it's just like barf and stuff yeah. everywhere and you're trying like we got our band our, our thing's happening you know yeah. you guys are barfing and <laughs> fucking freaking out and calling the dealer like get over here now man um, uh, so that's yeah, it's an extra, uh, you know bit of spice into sure. that
0: so, so you had to deal with that just like, it's just a different uh, it's just a different car ride it's a different hitchhiking <laughs> situation but, but it, do I, it, it put a strain on the thing right
2: It. By the time we opened for the Stones, we so we'd done the whole Appetite tour, couldn't afford. Like I think everybody got their shit together for the Appetite tour for the most part. Yeah, you know, maybe copying the heroin once in a while, but yeah. not a full on habit.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, until we got back yeah. off of that tour, and then like we got a we we saw no money on that tour. We, were, we our roadies made more. We'd have to borrow money from our roadies to yeah. eat. You know but we got back and, and our record had started selling. Right. And they said, the money's in the pipeline. What yeah. is the fuck is a pipeline? You yeah, yeah. knew nothing about money. I told you about my family I grew up in. And, yeah. You know, uh, so I, I got a check, man, my first check I got was $80,000. <laughs> from nothing. <laughs> and I was scared of the money. I didn't know what money was. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'd heard all these stories about the depression from my parents, yeah. like, I don't want to spend it all because, you know, the depression. <laughs> yeah, um, But I, I, I didn't know what to do, but, so drugs were- You could afford them. You could afford the drugs, <laughs> yeah. and by the time we played the the show with the Stones, yeah, t- we played three shows with them at the Coliseum, I think it was 89.
0: LA Coliseum? LA Coliseum, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it was a big deal to do. They had asked us specifically, and we were on the cover of like the weekly and yeah, stuff like yeah, man. Guns N' Roses, the new Rolling Stones, and all of this. Too much pressure. Yeah. Um, we didn't think we were the new Rolling Stones. We were just us, Guns N' Roses. Right. And we were doing our thing. And um, Axel was fed up. He was fed up. And it, he let <laughs> the band know, or the, the three guys yeah. that were dancing with Mr. Brownstone. Yeah. Uh, during this, that uh, yeah. they, they either stop. This is on stage. Oh no! I think I kind of remember they either it. stop or there's no more band. I think and I kind of remember that it was pretty genius. It got press, right? I'm sure it did. I kind of remember that. I was living in a little, like my little corner of <laughs> your little bass corner. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah. no, not just like uh, I would. Man, our band got big, you know. And there was no internet. There was no like. Uh, there's no how-to manual. Yeah, either. Yeah um i'm still like this punk rock guy you know i'm thinking oh, man fuck i got my punk rock values i don't want to be big be recognized and but we're on the cover of rolling stone you go to ralph's to get vodka you know yeah everybody you're ralph's like you're on the cover of the rolling stone right <laughs> by the cash register you're that guy <laughs> yeah <sighs> yeah um all of a sudden you know your humor's way funnier than it ever was recognized sure. before yeah yeah i was the funniest guy around and and all the girls finally do realize how good look. I mean, I knew sure. I got my. I'm squared away. You yeah, know, but yeah. all the girls finally. I must be coming into my own here. You know.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. uh Oh, and then about yeah. six months in, you realize ah, I'm a rock it's star It's because the band is big. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. About that point, I was going through a breakup. Yeah. I got married way too young to this this girl that, you know, we were a great boyfriend and girlfriend. I was in. Like I needed something. Yeah, I, I felt I needed yeah. some sort of like anchor. My sure, man. Life was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get married.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. I yeah, I did that. That'll help. No. Worst
2: idea ever. Sure. And so we had to break up, and it was. I didn't ever want to get married and divorced because I, I saw my parents go through this thing when I was a young, the, the second grade, and I yeah. just I'm like I never will do that. That's too brutal. Right. And, uh, but here I was in the middle of it and I was only like 21 and then I found that cocaine at that point you could drink more and I was like trying to just bury my sorrow Yeah, and drinking and, and some, some, uh, some value and, and things like that would would dampen it down and man, if you do cocaine, you can do more of that other stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Stay up all night and drink
2: for three days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, four. Yeah.
2: And uh, you crash out for a while, you feel great, you wake up and do it again, yeah. here we go. <laughs> and so I got, I got into that, and that was a danger, that was, that was the beginning of the end for me, uh, it, what eventually became the end for me. But um, we went out to Chicago to work on the Illusions records, and a uh, lot of cocaine, a lot of alcohol, a lot of, and that's okay, but we knew there was a line you didn't cross, like when you played. When you rehearsed when you played shows. For
0: for Axel or just in general? No, for us. Just
2: as musicians. Right. Like, you can get fucked up. Yeah. We're world class at it. Yeah. But just don't let it fuck up recording or or rehearsal or gig. That's that's the line you can cross. Right. Do whatever you want. Just don't cross that line. Right. You know? Yeah. And that line started to get crossed. Yeah. And it was it was Steven at first and it's and Izzy. Suddenly, he got busted on a plane doing something. Yeah, and uh, they'd landed the plane in, in like Phoenix, and or he got arrested off of the plane and put in jail. And he slept at Jones in a jail in Phoenix, and he got he got sober. That was ninety one. Now suddenly, he's a guy like I'm. So happy for him. Yeah. But I'm staying away from him, because if you look, if you got a sober guy in your midst, you know, you yeah. don't want to be like, oh shit, you don't want to hear you got to get sober. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, somehow or another, you've managed as grown-ups who have been through all this, the long ride. You know, you come back together, you're pros. You're, you know, people are excited to see you. You've somehow managed a, a detente with, you know, Axel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and you know, you're you're out there doing big shows.
2: Yeah, flash forward to now. I mean, so much happened. I mean, I got sober at, at Yeah, 30. what happened? How did that happen? How were well, we... I I mean, we did the Illusions tour. Yeah. I'm I'm drinking more and more. There was one gig in Mexico City that I crossed the line. Yeah. I realized right in the middle of the show, I'm just staring at Matt by this time Matt Sorm's kick drum. Yeah. Just trying to lock in and I realized I was like Doing everything I could do just to hold on to the show, yeah. And I was too fucked up, right. And uh, that scared me. Uh, we finished that tour. I I stopped the cocaine. I stopped vodka. I thought I'll I'm stopped drinking. I'm drinking wine.
0: Yeah, sure. But yeah. I was drinking like two gallons. Know.
2: Oh man, at least yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wine, you got to drink a lot. So I I went out and did this tour of my own. I uh, I had made this record during the Illusions uh we had days off and i had, was writing i i kind of thought demos for the next guns record yeah uh but i played drums on them and i played bass and guitar and uh and sang on these songs and and our guy from geff and tom Sutai came came into one of the sessions he's like what do you keep doing you keep going off and recording I'm like i gotta do something yeah to keep myself busy you know or i'll i'll be out looking for the guy yeah to cop and and uh so this record came out right as Illusions ended and I went out, out on tour. I'm drinking the wine. Yeah. Um, not doing the cocaine. Right. But how much wine I'm drinking, uh, it, it has to be a lot because I started having this really bad heartburn. I, I, I was in a shower one time and and my nose kinda hurt and I'm like trying to blow something out of my nose and like my septum comes out and lands on the floor. I think shower. God. And my body's my hair's falling out and my bottom, my feet are cracking. My hands are crack. Like when I get up to take a piss in the middle of the night, you know, my yeah. feet just crack open, and um, oh it's not going God. well for oh me. God. And uh, I get we we do this European tour. We go out. We open for the Scorpions. You know, in, in your this band, ne- my band, yeah. my own band, and we right. do all these shows of our own. Yeah, and it was fun to go out with the Scorpions because we were like, <laughs> you know, it's like wow, they're 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 still doing like arenas. In, yeah, and and uh, sure. And I got the punk rock super group is, is my band. Like yeah. all the guys that I played with y- younger yeah, uh, in the early 80s, they're, they're now my band from all these great bands from San Francisco and Canada. God, they're all in my band. And, and it's cool. And I'm drinking wine, man. And my, yeah. those guys in my band are like, yeah, dude, you ain't sober.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm a get defense. I'm just drinking wine, man. Yeah, yeah. And my uh, septum is falling out. My septum had fa- fallen out, yeah. Um, I get back from leg. Like, we were supposed to go to, uh, we did that leg and then we did some american dates and we did japan i shouldn't have been touring but we just toured for two and a half years with guns N' roses two and a half years now i'm out just doing it and we do japan we get back i just bought my house in seattle i'm finally back home like this is my dream to have yeah. a home the house back home yeah you know i i that's me i made it you know like, yeah and I bought this house that we should like steal this neighborhood. We steal cars from, you know, yeah, right? yeah, Steals. yeah. High they end. Were, it's not. We didn't grow up in this neighborhood, right? Um, and um, I'm in this house. Yeah. And I'm I am i am in the bed, and I uh, my stomach really hurts. And yeah. I, and I, it really yeah. And I starts really hurting, and I roll over, and then it's hurting like down on my quad muscles, and I know something's really wrong. Yeah. And I try to roll over again to get to the phone to call the nine one one. Yeah, because I know something's yeah. wrong. I can't get out of bed. Uh, I can't even move. I can't barely breathe. I'm just something's wrong. And my friend, who's became the guy, the Grand Theft Auto guy, yeah, right? Yeah, who became a real estate agent in, in between the Grand Theft Auto and now, <laughs> he <laughs> found the house for me. He's a, and he's my best friend still to this day. Yeah, since we're three years old to this day. Yeah. And he come. He would just walk in my house, and he saw my car was in the garage, and my keys while I were downstairs. And he, I hear him downstairs, like, "Hey, where are you?" And he, um, "Where are you, man?" He comes upstairs, he sees me in bed, and my eyes are open. And he's like, oh, "Okay, fucking finally happened." Yeah, <laughs> and he,
0: you broke yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he picked me up, and it hurt so bad. I didn't know it was. going. I was scared, and um, took my. Uh, Anyhow, he took me into the emergency room and uh, I was on I mean, I was on the ground in the emergency room. Couldn't move and they they took me in and they gave me morphine and uh, first they tried a couple shots of like codeine in my ass, nothing. They put intravenous morphine, they gave me an ultrasound and they were like oh. my doctor whose dad had birthed me on all eight kids now his son was a doctor, it was yeah. my doctor. I saw his face go white. When he's looking at the, when he's looking at the ultrasound, and uh, I was in so much pain, I wanted to die. I wanted them to kill me. Then yeah. The surgeon came in, and he said, "We're going to do this and this and the other thing." And I said, no, "Just kill me. I can't take any of the morphine. I knew what morphine's supposed to do." It and It wasn't working. What
0: what what was wrong with you?
2: My pancreas had burst.
1: Oh. So God. it's
2: swollen up and it burst, So that's oh. all the stuff that you know you digest your food. Now once <laughs> it's outside onto your. Intestines and, and like quad muscles, yeah. it just drips down. Uh, and it's, you know, they uh, what the doctors told me was they usually will open somebody up yeah, just to let the steam out yeah. to alleviate some of the pain before they die. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this is this is really real. You know, this is real and I wanted to die. It hurt so bad. But they had to put me on Librium too because I started to have shakes from withdrawals of alcohol, uh, which you can also die from. Right. I'm getting all this great news. You know, yeah wonderful news. <laughs> and, uh,
0: Welcome home. <laughs> so I
2: have morphine in my left arm with the, with the, um, I'm plunging a button, you know, I got yeah. the plunger button yeah. right, where you can just boom, boom. And I got the Librium in the right arm. And my mom, who was by this time at Parkinson's, you know, she comes in, gets wheeled into the hospital to see me and she's crying. And I was in so much pain and so kind of, I, I saw myself from above the bed. Literally I did, I saw that. And yeah. I saw my mom, they're crying in a wheelchair, and I, I'm the youngest, and I, I'm like, if I can get through, I'm, the order of things is wrong here, and yeah. I should be taking care of her. I I've, right. I've failed her, yeah. her youngest son, I'm in here in the ICU, you know, hanging on, they're going to have to take out, my, I'm going to be on dialysis at best, you know, um, but miraculously, my my uh, through that night... They were gonna do surgery the next day, they, they didn't because my pancreas started coming down. It was the size of a football and it started coming back down to its normal size. so they held off for a couple days. And my doctor said, man, you've been given a second chance after like two and a half days, so remember this. You've been given a second chance. Don't, don't fuck it up. And I'm like, okay. And I got the Librium and I got the morphine buttons and I'm not gonna, okay, I haven't drank for two and a half days, man. And then it was three and a half days, and then it was six days, and they took the buttons away from me, and that sucked. And they, <laughs> you know, and then I was in there for another seven days, and they weaned me off the morphine, and the pain. I couldn't still couldn't eat. I was eating like ice cream or uh, ice chips, and by the time I got out of the hospital, I was done. That was uh, what I needed. I yeah. needed that. I had been trying to stop. I just thought I'll never be able to stop. I'm going to die young. Yeah. And uh, seeing my mom um like that crying uh really had an effect <clears throat> on me so how i got sober was that and i got on my mountain bike when i got home they gave me a librium and i s- said take as directed it was a weaning off thing of librium yeah librium like a value yeah but yeah. it's for alcohol like right to come off alcohol yeah. so i you know what i did i followed Medication as directed. Wow. for All these new things. Yeah. I smelt fresh cut gla- grass. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of having paper out. I yeah. smelled like newspaper print. Yeah. These first things, like yeah. when you get sober, you yeah. these all these things come back to you before you re- started getting fucked up. Wow! And uh, I just rode my mountain bike. For, like I didn't know what else to do. I, I was like I was on acid. Everything was so real, and um, I had to come back down to L.A. We were going to do some. Guns like start up third record. Yeah, I come down to L.A. I got a mountain. I get a mountain bike there. Was
0: I spaghetti incident? What no, it write? was
2: after that. Oh. so it was after that. So we were gonna, we were gonna get something started. Yeah. Right? Um, but I've gotten sober, and somebody introduced me to. Um, I was going down. Now I'm going to Gold's Gym and Laurel Canyon, on, uh, in North Hollywood. Yeah. And I'm riding my mountain bike. I'm going to this gym. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm just trying to stay. Anything I can do to stay sober. Yeah. And there was a kickboxer in the in the Gold's Gym, and I like, I could he was like hitting bags. and I said uh I said something to him. I said do you want to if you want to I can introduce you to my sensei. And it was two doors down. I yeah. Went through the back door and I met Benny the Jeterkidas. I uh, went through the door and this guy comes up to me his eyes just pierced through me and like saw all the way down and it was a real fighters gym at that time 94 um and he he saw that i was <laughs> i was just kind of kind of come through some stuff yeah and he, and he said look man if you if you want to work in this gym you have to i don't want to hear you talk you have to show me you belong here so it was just um i did whatever he said and I did t- two a days and I stayed in there for that next two years I was doing two days I was reading history at home I was lived like a monk I had like a I didn't know how to like, like talk to a girl or yeah. anything like that like, I got a big L on my forehead yeah but I would just in that two years Steve Steve Jones yeah came to me he said you want to uh, you want to play in this band with me and John Taylor and Matt like Shannon Hoon had just died yeah um, uh, we did a benefit show for his his wife and child, uh-huh. and I said, "Steve, I, I before that, I, said, I don't think I can play again. I think me getting sober, that's the end of my music career. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't see myself being able to do it." Yeah, and, he's, and Steve had gotten sober two yeah. years prior. He goes, "It's okay, man." And it's Steve Jones, my hero. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> guy that you know, <laughs> he's a character. He's my everything. Like mm-hmm. Steve Jones asked yeah. me to play with him. I, I, he says, "You're gonna." And he, what he said to me is, "You're gonna be fine." Yeah. You're gonna be fine, trust me. And we went and started rehearsing, and we played that first show. I was so scared before the show, and the show. Then I realized like I was, it was easier to play. Yeah. And um, people said, you know, after the show, you've never played that good. (laughs) I'm like, really? Yeah. You know, my palms are sweaty. Everything. Um, I look so much different than I did at the end of my getting fucked up days. Yeah. Which was only two years prior but yeah I'm,
0: but yeah yeah. as soon as you get off the shit you start rebuilding you know?
2: yeah people thought I got a facelift and like all this stuff I'm like wow. no I'm just sober you know
0: that's great
2: yeah so uh that became began this really long cool journey as you know yeah it gets much better sure right yeah and it really yeah. does and yeah. Yukita Khan martial arts is a what I didn't know until I went to program meetings thing yeah it, it is the 12 steps the thing yeah is not invented by a couple of guys in the 30s. Uh-huh. These are universal truths. right? They've gone back in martial arts for 4,000 years, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And so you have to, see, it's, I went to the, the things, the secret meetings we yeah. have with the pointy hats and yeah. stuff, secret handshake, I'm like, "Whoa, this is YukitaCon. Yeah. I'm going through the steps and I'm yeah. like, this is my martial art. Yeah. Kind of astounding. That's great. Yeah.
0: That's a great story, dude. It's just sort of astounding, you you know where you're at. You got two grown kids. You've been sober a long time. You weathered the storm. You and the fellas are back together again, and you know you know uh, it's it's nowhere near as crazy, and the money's as big as ever. And you found time to sort of like put this album together and now come in full circle. So you know where we started this in terms of the inspiration for the record was you being out in the world and talking to other right. people.
2: Yes. Talking to other people and, and kind of realizing, uh, I think I'm going to write a book about this. Right. Because I don't see this divide. I, I see the news and then yeah. I read the thing and the divide and this and that and, no and the Twitter and the, and I'm, I'm just not seeing it. Our band goes out and plays these huge shows and music is so universal. We've played all over the world for 159 shows Yeah. to like 5 million people. Right, and you see a mix of people we played in in Muslim countries where you know women with their whole heads covered are just rocking the fuck out yeah and you realize like uh, the, it's about about the music and and you know to us it might seem culturally weird but I travel enough to the to other countries that I don't think it's I don't go there but I go there without judgment you know yeah. it's like they're just rocking the fuck out right. I'm down with that you yeah. know we played Israel and South America and Asia totally yeah. different cultures. But music is so universal. So maybe I'm in if I'm in any bubble, it's in one that of unity. You know, yeah. this music is doing this really great thing in yeah. a in a pretty strange time right now. This this country itself has a very interesting history, you know, and uh, if you look at this just you can concentrate on current if you want to. Yeah. I don't pay it that much attention, man, because I know this too shall pass. That's the way this country rolls, you yeah. know. And uh, I choose to see in America as the one that w- we unite no matter what. And I think that's going to happen. People are going to get sick of being serious about crap. You know, it happened uh, like when disco came in. People were just so sick of the Watergate and the Vietnam War. And like all of a sudden just people just lost their minds in punk rock and disco and all this yeah. shit. and cocaine. You know, like people yeah. just went crazy. <laughs> Yeah, You know, it'll yeah. have, like, that's just our recent history. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope, a, it,
0: I hope it happens that way and not in the way where people start, you know, picking up arms and organizing militias and cleansing the rest of uh, their
2: state. Yeah, just, uh, I just, I think humanity is, I, I I haven't seen one, like, even, I have a cabin in a place that's, my neighbors have been in a, a quote-unquote red part of a state. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Super red. Right. They don't know the cities. They're scared to come to the cities. Yeah. my neighbors and stuff, and I'm like, talk to them. I joke to them about it. My my family's gone to use my cabin and get a call. It's early on. There's some somebody's using your cabin. Like broke in. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, do you, you know, they're they're black. I'm like, that's my family, man. You know, like uh. they never see. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is like 20 years ago. But we've come up together over there in, in the country where we water ski together. We go up in the mountains. We do. You're friends with your neighbors. We have barbecues we're yeah. super good friends, and we, you know what we just don't talk about politics
0: so this this so this record you see is a unifying record I
2: hope it to be the, i I really hope it to be. I started writing these little vignettes that were going to be beginnings of chapters uh-huh um and just of my observations like it's not as bad you know as you think, and if you go back in history and you see this happened here and this happened there and and this will pass, man it's how we handle it now, and I do have these daughters and I want my daughters to know their father. You know, what did you do when? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, what did you do when yeah. that happened? And I see the. You know, we see a lot of fucked up shit going on with the, the school shootings and. The,
0: and you wrote that song called Parkland. I mean, it's very specific.
2: It's pretty specific. Well, but I, I, it, it's, it's kind of made without commentary. It's more of a funeral dirge.
0: Yeah. No. Know? Yeah. And I think you picked the right producer. It's got a, kind of that roots feel. You know, Shooter's like you know when he sets his mind to doing something that sounds American. Yeah. You know, in a way, you know, uh, it's very accessible. I think it was great, and you know, and I, and I, and I wish you luck with it. And oh,
2: thanks, Mark. And All it's, right.
0: It's great talking to you. Yeah. You too. Yeah.
2: I, I'm glad I finally got to come go on the show.
0: It was really good, Duff. Thanks,
2: man. Okay. Cool.
0: So that was Duff. What a nice guy, right? And I, it, like he it just it was all coming back to him it seemed when I was sitting there talking to him. His third album Tenderness comes out next Friday, May 31st. Get it wherever you get your music. All right, I'm going to play some guitar. I'm going to play three chords in a way slightly different than I played them previous. Enjoy. Echo.